Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leopard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Great to be here today, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year. New yeah, Year. Happy New Year. 2016. Uh, we all made it through the holiday season here. A few pounds heavier, I'm sure, but yeah. uh, raring to go Some for Some of us are lighter. That's okay, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Starting the New Year's resolutions already. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good deal. Thanks for noticing. John. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, we are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. And uh, you can check us on our website. Yeah, moneymd.net. We have a link uh, in top right-hand corner. You can stream us um, You know, during the show hours, 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to 1230 a.m., which is the uh, location on the dial. Or we have the podcast link out there as well. So if you have missed a show in the last couple of weeks, maybe you've been traveling around seeing family, you can uh, dial us up on the podcast and uh, download us to your you know, new uh, Apple technology and listen to us during the week. That's right, with all your new Christmas gifts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can... Got the latest technology, I'm sure. Download us and listen to The Money Doctors. No excuse. And then uh, also email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us, uh, again, on our website, moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have a great show here to kick off the new year. Um, You know, we're going to talk about some of the things to look for in 2016, some of the exciting new technologies and innovations that may power our economy and the stock market. And you trying to predict the future. Well, you know, we like to dip into it and just okay. just give you some reasons to some be optimistic teasers. here in the new year. Just talk about the possibilities. Yeah, exactly. Go. Some I good, like good things to focus on. Yeah, and then we're going to follow that up with an article from uh, Dave Ramsey about investing fads and one strategy that, in his mind, beats them all. So it's going to be pretty good talking about some things that you probably hear commercials on or you get emails or newsletters or so forth. And it's interesting, kind of puts it in perspective. So we'll dive into that, and then we'll have a good follow-up article after that. That's right. The last part of uh, the show here, we're going to be talking about putting your money where your mouth is, uh, food and finance in 2016. And we're going to kind of take a look back uh, at why you know some of the food prices were where they were throughout 2015 so hopefully uh things you know look good for 2016 especially as far as our food's concerned yeah sounds good all right we're gonna start off here though with the financial fact of the week yeah this is not the best trend in the world but this this uh is reality guys kind of where we are uh this is according to the federal reserve and uh, outstanding credit card debt at the end of October of this last year was about $925 billion, with a B. And that's the highest total nationwide since November of 2009. So about six years um, later, back at that time, the, the uh, credit card debt was about $830 billion. So it's increased 
roughly about $100 billion in six years, which tells you people are hopefully they're more um, uh, financial savvy. I don't know if that stat would lead that to, to make you believe that, but maybe they have emergency funds and incomes are up and things like that, but that's not the right direction. No, it had dropped down quite a bit yeah. prior to that, and uh, I think the recession, you know, the Great Recession caused people to pare back and pay down some of those debts, And uh, but now, you know, they got jobs again. Unemployment is down. I think a lot of it is tied to unemployment. When mm-hmm. unemployment gets low, yeah. people are more comfortable taking on debt. Start using the credit cards to buy stuff. Right. So it's kind of a good sign, but a bad problem. It's bad a good indicator. sign for the economy, yeah, but uh, from an individual standpoint, hopefully uh, Dave is making some, some dents in that debt. I'm sure he has nationwide. So um, anyway, it's yeah. interesting. Interesting fact, no doubt. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the things to look for in 2016. Yeah, this is an article out of Forbes magazine. Greg uh, Sattel um, is the author. And, you know, I mean, just talking about the things to look for in the new year, um, it's always a great time to kind of reflect, you know, back and then also to look forward. And uh, we seems to always be in the midst of some great new trends that are reshaping how we live and work. So we're going to talk a little bit here this morning about a few things that might make a difference in our economy and lives in this coming year. You know, of course, there are a lot of things that have been in the works for some time that continue to transition us kind of toward the new technology world, um, which we're, we're all, I'm sure, aware of. You know, there's um, the world of automation where everything's on the Internet now, including your thermostat, your security system. Um, that's kind of cool. I just bought a new weather station, in fact, from my mm-hmm. yard here a couple months ago that you guys have probably heard about because I love that. I mean, it's connected mm-hmm. to the Internet, and I could see the real-time data. of Part-time meteorologist you know, that's here. That's right, yeah. how much rain I've gotten in my yard. I mean, Ooh. I think that's just awesome <laughs> on, my, on my iPhone. Um, so we all know the world, you know, is, is changing. I mean, the world of self-driving vehicles is probably just a few years away. Drones will probably be delivering our packages at some point here in the near future. I mean, everybody's seen those videos. Um, You know, but those things have been going on for some time. um, And they're essentially a continuation of kind of the previous trends. Still, that doesn't mean that there aren't some big things underway immediately. Um, In fact, I mean, we're on the cusp of some transformational changes. Namely, I mean, we're entering into kind of a new era in the fight against cancer. Um, you know, closing in on some major breakthroughs in energy storage and open source artificial intelligence, um, to point out a few that we'll dig into here. So, you know, those aren't your typical hot trends, but they do represent kind of a new paradigm of enormous significance that will power our economy in some new ways going forward. Yeah, and the first one here on the list is a new era in the fight against cancer. And this is kind of a a specific item, but um, guys, when we do financial planning, we look out to age 95. I mean, medical technologies... Are, are are changing the way um, people live and the the length of time and and certainly over the the past generation um, there's been steady progress against cancer uh, improving survival rates by about one percent per year and obviously over time that's made a huge impact so if you look at today's survival rates is nearly ninety percent and some of the more common types like uh, breast and prostate cancer survival rates can be as high as ninety or a hundred percent and um, we've seemed to hit a new gear um, due to two major breakthroughs that are out there. So this is a very positive trend. I think a lot of people have been impacted 
someone in their family or friends that have had cancer. So, you know, these are positive, optimistic things to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, nearly 70% survival rate for most common types of cancer, I think, is pretty amazing. You know, I didn't even realize it was that high. So there have been some huge breakthroughs. I mean, the first is the targeted cancer therapies based on genomic testing. Um, you know, that's pretty amazing. I mean, rather than relying on the old trial and error, uh, doctors cycles through primary, secondary, tertiary procedures, tumors are identified genetically, and the most effective treatment can be identified much earlier in the treatment process. And that's had a traumatic effect in not only patient survival rates, but also in reducing the harmful side effects. Um, and even more promising development now is the emergence of these new immunothera- immunotherapies, um, which help our own bodies kind of identify and attack the cancer cells. I mean, these have extended the life of even the most terminal patients. Some who were only given months to live are now cancer-free years later. Um, so, you know, there's still a long way to go, but, I mean, we and we do need a more complete cancer map to guide the targeted therapies more effectively and the immunotherapies um, only have a success rate around 25%. But we may very well be on the brink of some significant better outcomes here. You know, the prospect is even real enough for the vice president to have called for a moonshot program for cancer to accelerate that progress since we appear to be on the cusp. Um, of some major advancements there. So the economy and the stock market certainly would benefit, you know, from these major advancements. And I think, um, you know, we mentioned before that, you know, in retirement, health care is like $200,000 mm-hmm. a year yeah. um, of expense for, for your life um, going forward. So it would make some major dents in, in what we spend on health care if we could get some treatments to these these. Uh, you know, long-term terminal illnesses. Absolutely, and that, it would be great to see uh, some of those things come to pass. Next one that we have on the list is uh, search for a battery that can power the 21st century. Well, you know, I think they're talking about renewable energy here, and once that was just the bastion, you know, of uh, wide-eyed dreamers and has earned some new fans here recently. Major investment companies are actually uh, taking notice, such as Lazar, and Barclays, they're predicting that, you know, wind and solar will reach grid parity by the end of the decade. Citibank, uh, they also released a report that described the current gas boom as merely a bridge fuel to a low-carbon future. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, wind and solar are, are obviously going to be huge at some point in the future. I mean, yeah, they no continue doubt. to make more and more progress. They're getting closer to being the same price or even lower price than energy we get off the grid, you know, from your utility company. Yeah, and who predicted that, um, you know, 10 years ago? I mean, it's even five years ago, I think, the the strides that have been made in fracking, and I know there's some environmental concern on that, but it's it's changed the industry. And um, As we've seen with oil prices. Yeah. <laughs> gas oil, prices. Oil prices are down, aren't they? They are down a little bit. Slightly. I don't think the market likes that too much. No, the stock market doesn't like that, because we, as we've said before, we're a little more of a producer than, uh, than I think. Uh, we realized a couple years ago 
And so, you know, low oil prices mean lower revenue for a yeah. lot of the companies. And less jobs. That are producing, right. But uh, but there are some side benefits, and we're starting to see that with really low gas prices and low energy prices and manufacturing reshoring back to the U.S. So we'll talk a little bit more about all that when we come back from break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the things to look for in 2016. Yeah, new new year. year. Yeah, happy new year. You know, happy new years. It is. It's exciting to be, um, you know, on the brink of a new year here at the beginning and kind of looking forward to the things that you know will probably be better in the future hopefully the stock market will be better fresh yeah. start ready you to know, go the last couple of years have been kind of weak in the stock market yeah. so but we're, we're trying to focus on some optimistic things here i mean there are some things to look for that really are getting a lot better the economy's gotten better yep. um but also, I mean, there are some new breakthroughs that I think we can look at, you know, and be optimistic about and say, you know, I mean, these are the next these could be the next things that really power the economy going forward. And so we're talking about a few of those this morning. And this is an article out of Forbes. And, uh, you know, one of them is is medical breakthroughs. Um, I mean, these have been huge. The fight against cancer has been continuing um, to progress uh, massively, really, over the last few decades. And I think, and they're pointing out here, we're right on the cusp of some major breakthroughs potentially in the fight against cancer for these targeted cancer therapies um, based on genomic testing. Um, So, you know, I mean, I think that's something to really be optimistic about. Another one is is energy storage. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Tesla just opened their new battery plant, and we just got into this one. you know, this past year, Tesla has their uh, their Powerwall, as they've been calling it, and um, you know that has the potential. And it's made a big difference already in in uh, people out west that are that have solar power that are trying to store some of that energy and use it. Um, so, you know, I mean, there is a gap between um, where we are today and kind of the energy utopia that we're looking for. Um, so there is an intermittency there, and unlike fossil fuels, we can't access renewables on demand today. So we need a cheap way to store energy when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. And uh, the only way to do that really is through more efficient batteries. So as I mentioned, you know, there's been some progress. I mean, using existing technologies, Tesla has their their new power wall that's been able to achieve um, about $200 per kilowatt hour in manufacturing costs that's still a ways from really the the point to where it really takes off where the department of energy uh predicts that a hundred dollars per kilowatt hour um would be needed to achieve kind of the utility scale uh storage and make that economical 
Um, but still, it's it's making some significant progress, and that's why the Energy launched their Joint Energy, their Joint Center for Energy Storage Research. Um, JSESER, I guess, is the way they would uh, they would uh, abbreviate that acronym. Um, to bridge the gap, and that effort is a consortium of national laboratories, universities, and private enterprises, kind of modeled on the Semitech um, uh, model, which revived the U.S. semiconductor industry. And they have the ambitious goal of making batteries five times more powerful and five times cheaper within five years. And if they achieve anything close to that, you know, it would revolutionize the world in terms of, of energy storage. So Jay Sesser is about halfway through its chartered timeline, and um, George Crabtree is the consortium's director. He recently stated in a report that he expects to have a working prototype soon. Um, you know, so breakthroughs in this type of energy storage would be an economic boost to the entire planet. So watch for that in the coming year. That's going to be a big, a big thing when it happens. Yeah. So to continue the theme of technology, we talked about medical, talked about energy. Um, here's one on open sourcing uh, artificial intelligence. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the, the the background on this, it goes back nearly 60 years ago at a, a series of conferences at Dartmouth, and um, it included. Uh, luminaries such as uh, Marvin Minsky and uh, Claude Shannon and John McCarthy. I don't necessarily recognize those names, but I guess maybe they're they're leaders in the industry. And you know, at the time, they thought they were embarking on a 20-year project. Um, they obviously vastly underestimated the complexity and difficulty of the endeavor. But you know, I think that they're getting really close. I mean, you look at some of the technologies out there today, and some of them are on the marketplace. Some of them are just about to hit it, and um, it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, today, though, it's clear those efforts, you know, from years ago have borne fruit. I mean, from industrial-scale systems like the IBM Watson um, to the consumer-level apps like Google Maps and voice searches, um, we've all come to expect that our machines can intelligently advise us on where to go, what to do, and how to best do it. I mean, it's amazing what you can do through the iPhone, you know. I mean, now you can search anything. Mm-hmm. You can search prices anywhere. Um, it can, you know, it can be your GPS and lead you where you want to go when you're traveling. Um, you know, it's hard to remember that even a decade ago we would have considered, you know, much of this science fiction. To me, it's amazing to see how things like a drone responds to wind gusts. You know, um, I actually have a drone. I don't know if you guys know that. We I registered now. it this past <laughs> yeah. week. We have one that's just small enough yeah. that it didn't. Yeah, I actually have a, a kind of a bigger one that I bought mm-hmm. here um, about a year ago. And, you know, if you get that thing up in the, in the air and the wind blows, you can see it'll it'll move it like 10 feet, and then it starts thinking, and it readjusts, and it'll come back. Yeah. Hmm. You so know? you have a GPS coordinated. It has a GPS yeah. coordinated, and has gyroscopes and it's know that it, it knows that it's moved you know and it moves back i mean we have a small one it's about it's about two ounces so it's under the the federal limit and yeah. so when a wind gust takes it it just keeps going oh yeah we're right the real small ones <laughs> the yeah, they, don't, old they don't respond to that yeah, so you, you have to search for it still i mean they're pretty smart oh, it's very cool they're pretty smart yeah. i mean to be able to, to gyroscope with yeah. four different you matthew's know, loved uh, learning how to do that yeah and, and like a segue you know if you've ever ridden a segue i mean see how it responds to a hill when you're riding it absolutely I mean, it's amazing, you know, and so, so, you know, now, I mean, artificial intelligence has entered kind of a new phase. I mean, IBM, Google, Facebook, they've all open source um, their important machine learning technology and algorithms so that anyone who wants to access those and improve on them can. 
Um, and as Rob Thomas, the, the IBM vice president of development, told uh, told them in this article, I mean, this has been a potential shift in artificial intelligence to a much higher gear um, and has that potential. Everyone, you know, needs insights into their business in order to make good decisions, he says. And automating the analytics process helps executives do that in real time. You know, open sourcing their machine language um, <clears throat> to, you know, allow learning engines uh, for learning engines will allow them to expand the number of people involved in their capabilities from thousands of internal engineers to tens of thousands of people, you know, out through the Internet. And that will eventually help, uh, you know, them to to develop it, you know, far beyond where it is today. So this is a major acceleration, they say. Um, it democratizes artificial intelligence, and it transforms machine learning from a from a very high-end exclusive club um, to something that just about every CEO should be thinking about in terms of how it will impact their business. So, you know, this is an area, you watch for big breakthroughs in this area soon. It will transform the way, you know, we use every electronic device, I really believe. So that's a exciting area. For sure. And, you know, despite a lot of the headlines that we see, we still have a lot to look forward to. You know, there there are quite a few bad uh, headlines out there, and, you know, you see bad news all the time, like stagnating economies, global terrorism networks, climate change, the occasional uh, Ebola outbreak, and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, yet that shouldn't blind us to the fact that we've got a lot to be thankful for and we've overcome great challenges before and we'll continue to do so you know that's we should stay focused on the positive here i think and and continue to move forward especially with these breakthroughs that you guys yeah, have been talking about here and it's just, called it's called capitalism yeah you know exactly. i mean seriously if you look back in history and you know america is one of the greatest you know nations ever and in innovators capitalism. yeah yeah yeah, and when these breakthroughs are, are perfected, I mean, they really will be transformational. You know, I mean, curing cancer would give us enormous insight into the, our general biology and how we accelerate, you know, medical science for decades. A battery under, you know, $100 per kilowatt hour, you know, paired with low-cost renewable energies would be an important paradigm shift in how we, we uh, power our economy. You know, artificial intelligence will significantly enhance human capabilities and how we live our lives. So, you know, certainly this coming year will will bring its share of new business models, viral apps, and hot trends. And what we really should be watching, though, is for the emergence of these new paradigms that have the potential to really shift um, our lives and our economy going forward. And I think when you go back to some of the basic stuff that we take for granted, um, water, food, um, medical supplies and things, if you look outside the United States, there's still billions of people who don't have that. And there are companies that want to supply that to those people. So, you know, that's how the stock market works long term as companies come out with new products. They're able to serve people in, in the far reaches of the world and, um, you know, earnings grow. So obviously we don't try to we don't make predictions here about the markets, but there are a lot of positive things. A lot of it's driven by technology. Exactly. A lot to be optimistic for here in the new year. Okay, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages in GNN News. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to start our second segment here with the question of the week. Yeah, this has to do with budgeting. You know, it's the beginning of a new year, and, um, you know, we see this particular item really sneaking up on people and causing a lot of issues. And uh, the question is, is how do I budget for expenses that happen randomly? Let's talk about car expenses are a great example. Um, you have to do a little bit of research to know how much to budget for. Let's say it's 1200 bucks. You would put a $100 in your monthly budget. When you don't spend it, take the $100 and put it into a separate account. Let that build up over time. And when you need, you know, you have an expenditure with your car, you just pull it out of that separate account. So, but the key is, is you have to put something in the budget. You have to put a placeholder. I mean, there are other expenses um, that that happen like that. Life insurance is one of them. There's quite a few other ones, but you got to put a placeholder. Yeah, I mean, there needs to be an emergency fund, and, and you know, during the year, that mm-hmm. fund needs to be building up, yep. you know, kind of above your baseline emergency fund where you're saving money, you have those things budgeted for, or you could have a totally separate account for one-time expenses like property taxes and mm-hmm. and car maintenance and things like that, insurance, maybe you don't pay that monthly. Um, but yeah, you got to budget for it. That's the key. You got to average it out, you know, per month, and you got to have an extra hundred, two hundred, three hundred per month going in for those one-time expenses. And there's going to be appliances. There's going to be home maintenance. There's all kinds of things sure. that are going to come up, and they're not they're not unexpected. They're just non-routine, right? You know, so don't don't call those emergencies. Those are not emergencies. No, that, yeah, emergencies. it's not a matter of if; it's just when. <clears throat> exactly, that's right. Exactly, but that's a great question of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our next topic here, and that is investing fads. You know, um, you know what to what to focus on in the year <laughs> coming forward here, and what didn't work last year. I mean, let's talk about some of these. Yeah, this is from Dave Ramsey. It's uh, titled Three Investing Fads," and uh, one of the strategies that really beats them all. And guys, if you think about it, um, just a few years ago, gold was all the rage in the investing world. I mean, who can forget the financial experts? They repeatedly looked at gold as the only, you know, investment, the only safe investment. And if you wanted to secure a future, and and obviously who doesn't, you had to invest in gold or you're going to suffer the consequences. Obviously, at that time, it made sense, right? Gold prices were roaring. I mean, they jumped from $700 an ounce to a high of about 1800 in about a year. But uh, then after bouncing around for another year, gold prices lost most of those gains, and they're back where they began back in 2009. So if you look back at history a little bit, gold has not been you know, the best trade-off between risk and return. But, man, I tell you, you listen to these ads, they will scare you to death to buy gold. Yeah, I am actually glad we're not hearing so many of those ads anymore. You yeah. know, I mean, back a few years ago, we were here, we were bombarded with ads about buy gold. You know, it's the only asset that, you know, is never, never gone to zero and never had this, never had that. And, you know, just trying to scare you about the economy and, and, um, you know, they're ridiculous ads and, and they were, and they're trying to sell gold at, at, at a big markup, you know, expensive markups. Um, and I'm glad to see that, you know, finally, you know, I think the economy has kind of beaten that out of the system a little bit. But it's hard to believe gold was simply an investing fad that has come and gone that quickly. I mean, it's left many investors worse off than they were before. I mean, gold has dropped tremendously from its high point 
um, here uh, just about, you know, a couple of years ago. And uh, it's far from <clears throat> the only one, though. I mean, we've seen many other short-lived investing strategies and fads, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, so one of them's gold. Another one is day trading. Um, remember day trading? I mean, in its heyday back in the late 90s, I mean, you could make you know, a lot of money just buying stocks and other type of investments and selling by the end of the day. And people actually quit their jobs to become day traders. Yeah, and at the time, it might have uh, seemed like the right thing to do, but ultimately not you know uh what's not what's now known as the dot-com bubble created an extreme bullish market you know during that time and anyone with an online account could go and make some huge profits sometimes day in and day out it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel but uh things quickly changed didn't they yeah they they really did the bubble burst when we're talking about the tech bubble um you know the traders began losing money as, as fast or faster than they made it um so there were new rules that were actually put in place requiring pattern day traders to have a specific amount of money uh, in their account and that that plus decreased market volatility made large daily profits you know impossible i mean you know today competition from large institutions keeps most individuals from attempting to day trade however you can still find plenty of companies willing to teach you how to do it for a price i mean i see those technical trading analysis and software and so forth so Gold is one of the fads, you know, trying to, to day trade is another one. Another one here is, uh, you know, you see these can't-lose stock strategies, and, um, you know, there's there's um, always one that's coming out. The, a recent article he said he had seen was three high-yield stocks to dump today, and then another one is so-and-so discovers three stocks with serious potential in the next 12 months. You know, top-rated mutual funds, you go on, the list goes on and on and on. And to think someone can actually pick the top three or the top ten or whatever, it's just, it doesn't, it's not feasible. It's the crystal ball. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, there's no end to these strategies. You know, you hear ads for them on the radio and and, um, in the Internet all over the place. I mean, these bits of daily investing advice have really have replaced kind of the day trading um, for a lot of investors, you know, they read all the random recommendations that they can find. They piece together a strategy. They think there's going to give them an edge on the market. You know, it sounds exhausting, really, though, doesn't it? I mean, to me, it does. And so while it may pay off every once in a while, you know, is it worth the effort in the long run? I mean, we know this as professionals. It mm-hmm. is not yeah. worth the effort. Definitely not. Yeah, and, and you know, what does work? I mean, the tried and true. And, and you know, there will always be some new investing fad promising, you know, fast and easy returns. And while some people will make some money on these schemes, the vast majority don't have the time, skill, or guts to avoid losing, you know, their shirts, much less actually building wealth with these tactics. So, you know, the truth is when it comes to retirement investing, nothing replaces the time-tested investing strategy that uh, that builds wealth over time. And and so here are the steps. And, guys, we talk about this pretty frequently on the show, but we'll, we'll kind of go over them again. And, uh, you know, again, this is a, a Dave Ramsey, um, you know, philosophy as well. But begin investing as early as you can. I mean, we stress that. We, we meet with kids, um, you know, college students and so forth, and our own kids have done this. And, you know, compound interest takes time to work its magic. But they, they call it the eighth wonder of the world because if you start start early, it really starts to add up significantly over time. Another one here on the list is diversify your investments. 
Um, you know, we believe in mutual funds, as, as does Dave. Um, use the power of the stock market uh, without taking on the risk of a single stock investing. So if you look at single stocks, Enron, WorldCom, you know, I, I was watching a show um, recently, and I don't remember what the, the movie was, but it had Pan Am. It was the air air carrier, yeah. okay. and I looked at my kids and I said, "You you ever heard of Pan Am?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Well, they're, they're bankrupt, <laughs> and your why. dad invested in them back when I was in college, seven hundred dollars. I was given it by one of my grandparents, and um, so I wasted it. It was it's gone. So individual stocks can be very very risky. Well, in fact, every major airline has gone bankrupt yeah. at one time or the other. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably true. Well, it actually is. It true. is. I that's, mean, you know, all the major airlines have gone through bankruptcy, right? Yeah, huh, interesting. Well, and another one here, uh, John, along those same lines that you were just talking about. Invest regularly. You know, if you have a four hundred one k, use that uh, use that option. It comes out each paycheck. You know, for example, uh, it won't change your investing habits. You'll stay consistent. And when the, when the markets are down, hey, uh, your investments, your mutual funds, your your investment options, they're they're on sale. Yeah. So stay the course. You know, stay load. consistent. Um, Everything's on sale there. Just just stick with it. Yeah, that's right. And then another one here is is review and rebalance your investments every year. Um, you know, some some folks uh, try to do this on their own. Sometimes they uh, they're able to be successful, but also working with you know maybe a professional out there may may fit some people as well. So basically, rebalancing is is selling some shares from your top performing funds in one category and buying shares in one of the areas that has not done as well. So these things go in cycles and rebalance. Balancing is just a disciplined strategy to help you with that. With all this said, you know, Dave recognizes this as well. You can still have losses, right, in mutual funds. It just long term is what he's looking at, and that's what we do. Um, You know, to do the planning and do mutual funds, invest regularly, it has worked historically. We think it's going to work in the the future. Obviously, past performance doesn't guarantee the future, but we talk about the technology earlier. You know, technology is driving company earnings and so forth. So if you have a good diversified portfolio, it's been a good recipe historically. That's right. And it does take some patience. You know, I mean, it is we're all sitting here looking back over the last two years and the stock market has given us nothing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably down it's a few percent yeah. um, over the last two years. And so it takes patience. You know, you have to have a long-term perspective, and you have to realize that investing is not a, you know, every-year game where you're just you're just focused on the year um, and trying to beat the market. You have to be take a long-term perspective and be diversified. And if you look at the two years previous to these two years, they were phenomenal. Right. I mean, 2013, the markets were up 30% in one year. So. That's how. That's why the planning piece kind of pulls everything and 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 kind of puts it in perspective. So don't get impatient. Just uh, bide your time in a great diversified portfolio and rebalance it. Okay, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Money, money, money. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are um, starting a new topic here, but before we do, we're going to have the prescription of the week. Yes, New Year's resolutions, you know, a lot of times folks have um, health, um, sometimes, you know, spiritual, personal, and so forth. So we're going to recommend that you do a financial New Year's resolution. Maybe it's um, doing a budget. You know, everydollar.com is Dave's online tool. Uh, Mint.com is another one. Um, Maybe you read a book, go to a class. I mean, you need to do something financially to improve your knowledge and behavior in 2016. Yeah, and how about planning for retirement? How about start a Roth IRA and up your 401k contribution by 1% this year and and make a a commitment to to increase it by another percent every single year till you get up to 10% a year going into your 401k um, in addition to a Roth IRA? Yeah, those are good. Lots of things you can do, but add some financial um, commitments to your New Year resolutions. Yep. Very yeah, good. That's a great prescription of the week. Okay, and that leads up here to our uh, next, last topic, and that is food and finance in 2016. You know, um, yeah, Gordon, how, do, how does food and finance go together here in 2016 for us? Well, we all have to eat. We like right? to eat. And, and it costs like to money to eat. <laughs> yes. So there's definitely dollars that are tied to, it's correlated. Uh, you know, to, to our food. It costs uh, what, lots of money. I, right. I would even say I think people spend more money on food today percentage-wise than they did by far 10, 20 years ago. Oh, I would, I would totally mm-hmm. agree. I mean, and who doesn't love a good steak or, you know, a, fan, a fancy vegetarian creation of uh, toasted quinoa with chilies and corn. How about beans and rice? Hey. <laughs> that's hey, a Dave that, Ramsey that, recipe. That, that fits into the Dave Ramsey <laughs> that's your plan. New, that's your new diet. Sure. That's right. There yeah. you go. Beans and rice, rice and beans. And that can definitely help the budget, that's for sure. You know, if, if you like to eat eggs and meat, though, you probably spent a lot more in 2015 than in previous years. And there's a couple reasons why. And, you know, we're going to touch on that uh, throughout this article a little bit. Uh, this is actually brought to us from MarketWatch.com. Uh, Maria... La Magna uh, is is the um, editor here or the person that wrote this. Typically, you know, food is, you know, the third largest expense for most families. After housing and transportation, Americans spent almost 13% of their income on food, you know, each year, uh, with over half of that going toward grocery store purchases and then, you know, about 5% uh, on restaurant eating out. I would tend to say that that's probably gone up some, mm-hmm. too. I, I, I would think that that number is probably more than 5% for uh, some folks. So, you know, fluctuation in food prices have the potential to make significant impacts on our spending and on our budgets, you know, that we've got to be very aware of, Steve. That's right. Exactly. You know, in the price of food overall, though, hasn't really rose that dramatically. You know, it's been 15 to 2.5% last year, so that was right in line with the average over the past 20 years, which is 2.6%, which is almost in line with the overall consumer price index. That's right. But, yeah, that's calculated by the Bureau of Labor Statistics as part of the, <clears throat> the consumer price index. But certain foods, though, including beef, egg, sugar, um, did rise significantly this past year. Um, the price of eggs, which are always a volatile category um, since they're fresh produce, can't be frozen. They rose between 16 to 17%. So, wow, huge increase in the price of eggs. 
but of course that's not a big part of our budget. So I don't well, think I don't know. Kathy, Kathy loves to bake, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. She oh, does. She's, she's a great baker, <clears throat> so I know she's using eggs. <laughs> so you might want to keep an egg count. She uh, uses there. some, no doubt. And and that was uh, you know speaking of bacon, higher prices in the fourth quarter uh, were partially due to a demand you know in the holiday baking and stuff like that. I know my my wife Jill, she baked several red velvet cakes and Christmas cookies, and we really enjoyed that. And I know several other people did as well. But there was one other reason there too. We're just going to be like John, and we're just going to get a chicken, you know. <laughs> Start laying our own hey, eggs. You know what? My my brother uh, and his wife they actually did. They had an incredible chicken coop. And well, John had the one. He's trying great to get away. The price per egg is a lot more expensive than doing it in the grocery store. <laughs> well, and that's, 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 that's kind of what he uh, came to the knowledge enough. Yeah. But there was something that actually happened, didn't there, John? That, that kind of caused. Yeah, definitely. There was a um, the main culprit of the price in- increase was the outbreak of the avian influenza this year. Um, that was the worst U.S. bird flu outbreak in history. History, and it uh, it killed more than 32 million hens. I mean, so wow. you take away the supply, and then you know demand stays the same. It's going to certainly go up. Um, an event like this happens very suddenly. There's not a lot of um, lead time for something like this, and. Um, uh, some analysts speculated that the egg prices could reach as high as $6 a dozen, but it looks like that that's kind of settled down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, there can certainly be events that cause them to spike, whether it's weather-related or you know, something uh, such as the uh, influenza. But um, eggs go into so many things. They do. They, they play a huge part of uh, just our, our overall diet and sometimes whether people even realize it or not. Right. And then we've got the uh, age-old question of where's the beef, you know, and in this case, where's the veal? Uh, the price of beef and veal rose 6.75%, about 7.75%, and compared with historical average of about 4%, that's not quite double, but that's still quite an increase. You know, prices, they remain high uh, because of droughts beginning in 2012. And, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, that impacted the branches and caused low cattle inventories. Um, you know, when, when we see the weather channel and we see that there's bad weather, and whether it be Texas or California or different places like that, that may not be affecting us directly here at the moment. But in yeah. cases like this, it is def- affecting us maybe indirectly. Sure. You know, so although, you know, ranches have since expanded, it still takes, you know, anywhere from 16 to 18 months before, you know, beef is ready for consumption. So there was there was a lot going on there. Yeah, there's some good news, though. Um, there's some predictions that the uh, individual cuts of beef, beef uh, have and will continue to drop going forward. So, um, you know, I don't see anything on here about bacon, but uh, oh, yeah, there's yeah. some. Yeah, talking about bacon. Tor- that's right. Toward the end. We're, Seems we're like every about, time I go in there to bacon. buy that, that's uh, increasing. But from a beef standpoint, it looks like maybe it's leveled off and, and dropping a little bit. And, hey, if you're not on a diet after the, the holidays, you know, the price of sugar and sweets, that's a category of, of uh, that's that's also um, only rose 25 to 3.5% compared to an average of 2.2% over the last 20 years. So, you know, I mean, they, they definitely have some uh, – there's been a lot of fluctuation in this market, and we've seen that with the NutraSweet plant shutting down here in Augusta. So when you have fewer suppliers, um, I think that's been part of the problem with this category. That's right. They, they uh, cut back, and, the and fluctuations. That's, that's when they cut the plant. Yeah, that's right. And there's, um, you know, if you look at um, some of the droughts in California this year, you would think that the fresh fruit prices would have increased. They've actually decreased um, about probably about 2% on average compared to a 3% increase in the last 20 years. 
but that's driven by the currency of the U.S. dollar being very, very strong. Most fresh fruits are imported, so when they're imported over, it's a lower price uh, associated with it. So um, so our dollar's been stretching a lot yeah, further. We've been able to, absolutely. to buy, buy a little more there. Well, you know, and like you were mentioning earlier, the, the price of pork has also, it has dropped. Uh, it's dropped almost 4% from uh, from its highest prices last year and that's compared to a historical rise on average of almost three percent so you know if, if energy prices remain stable and the dollar kind of stays strong looking ahead in 2016 we're looking at fairly stable situation hopefully as far as our food prices are concerned yeah i think the point here is you know inflation is real um, we see it in food prices we see it in things you go out and buy in the grocery store even though gas is down um, you have to plan for that. And when you're doing planning long term, you have to recognize what we've seen over the last 20 years in inflation where it's been around 2.1 percent is not is not necessarily the long term norm. And uh, it could easily be double that. It could be 5 percent. So you've got to build some contingency into your financial planning to take account the fact that inflation could be much higher in retirement than it is today. You know, and, you know we work with a lot of folks out at the site that have pension plans, which is a fantastic benefit. But unfortunately, they have no pension. They have no inflation adjustments. So That's they may right. start out at two thousand dollars per month today. But you look out ten years from now, that two thousand is not going to buy anywhere close to what they're spending today because of you know this like this article talking about the food you got medical which is going to be more expensive gas and so forth so when you're doing your planning you know that inflation adjustment is is tremendous and it's 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 critical to do projections long term going out i mean don't just plan your retirement around the first year a lot of people will do the math they'll say oh well i'll have enough to live you know I'll, i can make ends meet on that and they forget the fact that yeah their pension's not going to get much inflation if any inflation protection at all um social security is not likely to get a whole lot of inflation protection given the state of our right. our social security system so you got to do some projections, and you got to plan long-term. Inflation is a big factor mm-hmm. in long-term. Well, planning. in that case, it's like uh, retirement is a destination and not a new season. Yeah, right. And it's, it's absolutely a new season of life. Yep. Very good. Okay. Well, this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Peace.